0: This is Cecil, and you're listening to the Diamond Talk podcast presented by The Craft Factory. Now, here's Rob, Daniel, and your shoeie to bring you the latest of what's going on around the league.
1: Welcome to Diamond Talk. We got Nick and Rob with you guys here today. Uh, We're going to go over free agency a little bit. We're going to take a look at how the free agent market affected the league last year and how maybe some of those contracts might influence the way that teams decide to pay free agents this year. To start off though, just a quick recap of the awards we have so far. Uh, we have the AL and NL uh, managers, Manager of the Year going to Rocco Baldelli and Mike Schlitt from the Cardinals. Uh, we have our Rookie of the Year is going to Jordan Alvarez and Pete Alonso and just a few hours ago probably one hour ago uh our cy young winners were justin verlander taking a second and the grom also taking a second hey how you guys doing man how do you guys feel about these this award season so far
2: we're good man we're good they were there. i mean they were your usual your usual suspects you know i don't i don't think anyone's too surprised with the cy youngs and verlander and the grom i think i think DeGrom was the right choice over in the
3: NL, I probably would have given the nod to Garrett Cole in the AL.
1: What about you, Nick?
3: Yeah, I agree, man. The, the worst ceremony so far have gone, I think, kind of how scripted. DeGrom definitely was the best pitcher in the National League. It was really a coin flip over in the AL. I'm thinking Verlander may have gotten it for the consistency mm-hmm. over the full year. Cole kind of obviously mm-hmm. came on the end since May. It uh, could have gone either way, but I think Verlander just had the better year overall, and been in the game longer probably earned it you know maybe more of a career over cole than just this year but you can't go wrong either way it was it could have been co-mvp or co-cy young for sure
1: yeah i don't think anybody could you know so the cy young voting was actually pretty close i think that they were separated separated by i think it was five first place votes which gave verlander the edge about something with like 11 total points or something like that so it it was very close uh we have nick here for another reason today here too he's he's gonna be one of our regulars but also we need to hear what he has to say about gabe kapler so just a little background nick's a giants fan and you know you you can hear from him what what do you think
3: about this signing nick i don't know how much time you got or how loud the volume can go down but man i'm pissed this is not what the giants needed at all um the baseball side of it whatever he made bad decisions You know first-time managers especially on a team like the phillies where you kind of they're all over the place first couple years you got some talent you don't i mean it's it's whatever it is he can learn but the two things that i'm upset about is you know the allegations against him knowing with the assaults and whatnot yeah i mean i heard zaidi's press conference today you know covering for his man i get that's what you're supposed to do saying he did the right thing he went up the chain but we're talking about three guys that are you know intoxicated who knows if they have pds in their system definitely have other sort of illegal intoxicants i mean they're snapchatting the video of somebody getting beat up on top of that it's a female and his response was to have them sit in a room with the parents and the girl uh, that's just not that's that's not a good human being in in my opinion i, I don't know gabe capthor i've never met him might be somebody's you know best friend in the world but in that position player development you've got to go to the police there's just no way around it and if the the problem is if he did learn his lesson that's great I hope we never get the instance to find out if he did learn his lesson I hope he's never put in that spot again to decide what he needs to do because that's even worse I mean somebody else is in an assault but uh, it's just it's bad it's a bad look I mean for those who know last year Charles Johnson the number one owner the majority owner of the Giants got in trouble for having funded Donald Trump's campaign a few years ago. You know, that one for me is a little bit easier. A guy that rich, he doesn't know where all his money is going. But at the same time, the Giants for a while were one of the better run organizations in all the baseball, if not all of sports. And now when it comes to ethics and standards, they're just not there anymore. And that sucks being a lifetime Giants fan, especially after the success that they just had. Going to the baseball side, I mean, I cannot think of a primarily analytics team that has won a World Series and now with the Astros has done it legitly with all the stuff that's going on with the Astros. But analytics alone does not win you championships. Daniel, I know you and I have talked about it a couple of times. You need more than just the analytics. You need something else. and. Zaidi never won anything other than an NL pennant, which is okay, but it's not a championship. And now that the Giants fans have a taste of championships, that's the standard now. I don't know if they're going to get back there anytime soon. And it's it's just frustrating as a baseball fan, but it's even more frustrating as a Giants fan. They just, it, I don't know where they're going, and it's not in a good direction in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and my thing with Gabe Kapler, and, you know, I'm, I'm the same as you. I don't know what he's like as a human being. I don't. You know, I can't sit here and tell you he's a terrible person. So straight from the baseball point of view, the one thing I hear of Gabe Kapler a lot is like, oh, this guy is so intelligent. He's one of the smarter people in the game. But there's a difference between being a smart person and having baseball sense and baseball knowledge and knowing, you know, what goes on between the lines. And Grant, he was a baseball player. You know, he played for the Red Sox, which was a great organization. He He's done it before, so I, I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't know what he's doing. I just think sometimes when we when we delve into numbers so hard, a manager like Gabe Kapler, who you know he's going to play the odds more likely than not than go with his gut, and, and that's gonna that's gonna hurt you in my in my opinion. But moving on, because you did mention something that has been hitting the news pretty hard, and that is the Astros' recent kind of uh, newsmaking. So we know about three weeks ago at the end of october they were in the news for you know the the situation with their assistant gm and mocking a reporter about uh osuna's uh previous domestic violence today they're in the news for allegations of basically cold-blooded just cheating uh the allegations were that in 2017 they had been using video video basically and other technologies such as that to gain advantage over pitchers by essentially relaying that information down to the dugout, you know. So first thing is Rob, what what do you think about this? I know you, they faced the Yankees in 2017 ALCS, and that was a game, and that was a series where the home team won every matchup. So if you had something like that going on, it, it might be a big advantage. What what are you taking from all this?
2: Right. Yeah. I think it. I think it's definitely something that the MLB has to look into. Um, I think that, you know, the issue the issue with this isn't necessarily the sign stealing the people that are getting caught up in in the sign stealing. That's not the issue. The issue is the methods that they were using to steal the signs. Sign stealing is something that has been going on in baseball by just about every single franchise, you know, whether it be major or minor. Um, it's just the the method that they were using to to getting the signs, and it feel, you know it feels like the last couple of years the Astros are have been involved in something with bad publicity just about every single year. Like it's one of the most talented teams in the sport. It's probably one of the best homegrown teams in the sport. They probably have the best collection of of four homegrown players in Springer, Altuve, Correa, and Bregman out of anybody. So you're talking about one of the most talented teams in the sport still needing a way to find an advantage against other teams? I mean, like, at some point, this has to come in a, to an end, right? Like, there's just two there, – there's a team – this is one of the, the premier teams in the sport right now, and their reputation just keeps getting tarnished. I know I've seen a lot of Astros fans online be like, oh, all the other, all the other fans of all the other franchises are just mad because they lost to us. And, okay, that's understandable. Sure, there are a group of fans from the Red Sox and Yankees and everything who are just like, oh, the Astros are cheaters. But, you know, there's a, there's a bigger issue here in play. I mean, is everyone going to be on the same level playing field? Like, is the, if the MLB is going to say that this, this use of, of cameras in center field or the outfield or whatever is going to be fine for Houston, then are they going to make this available for every single team? Because I thought that – I thought, you know – we, we also have to address the fact that it was one of the guys who played with them in Mike fires, who was the one who, you know, threw this, this allegation out there and everything, it, it really isn't an allegation. It was more of a confession. Um, so I think that, you know, and one of the things that he mentioned was the impact that this has on young pitchers, you know, young pitchers from other teams who are facing the Astros and are going out there and getting demolished by their lineup because they already have an advantage. So I think, I think this has the potential to have a bigger impact on the game than, than people might be seeing right now.
1: Yeah, well, without a doubt, and, you know, one thing is, so when I played baseball, I was an absolutely terrible hitter. But the reason why I was an absolutely terrible hitter was most in part because of my timing. But if you were in my ear, or if I, if I knew that an off-speed pitch was coming, that would raise my batting average probably about 100 points. Because a lot of it is, is you know, timing the fastball, timing off-speed pitches. And if I know, you know, what they're doing is they're, they're knocking. They're doing the, what I've seen on the internet so far is that they've been doing the knocking and three knocks with a changeup, one knock with a fastball, you know, whatever it is. But if, if as a hitter, you can time it down that specifically, man, do you have the advantage. Uh, Nick, you, you were a pitcher. I know you have experience with this, whether it be for your team or against your team and you know what do you what do you take what do you take from this from just being a pitcher in the pitching side you know do you think there's anything they could have done differently uh you know what do you think the astros you know maybe what do you think the league should do to the astros
3: so i'm gonna maybe go a little bit extreme in this but to me i don't see the difference between this and the white socks scandal i mean yeah they didn't bet on the game and they didn't you know they didn't try to lose per se but they took a completely unfair advantage. And I've seen, I've talked to some baseball buddies about this, and uh, you know, there's the joke on the baseball field, if you aren't cheating, you aren't trying. And that goes to a certain extent. I remember when I was playing ball in college, you know, I would I would chill behind the screen sometimes as close as I get to catch it. I would try to see in the shadows if they were thrown down a one or a two. And in my opinion, because I caught a little bit, if, if as a catcher, you can't hide your signs from anybody but the pitcher and maybe your middle infielders then okay you might get your sign stolen you know what that's on you tighten your game up you know glass now to his tip of his pitches paste off his glove if if the other team is smart enough to do that that's fine but when you're talking about a camera that's looking in at the same angle as the pitcher and if a pitcher has bad eyes there's a reason that catchers do the reflective tape and the reflective nail polish just sometimes even the pitchers can't see their signs but a camera won't miss that and if they're using that, that, that's just, I mean, honestly, I love Altuve to death. That, that dude is fun to watch. He smiles all the time. He's dancing in the dugout. Looks like a great teammate. If he knew what was going on and took advantage of it, he needs to be banned. That's, that's not okay. And the league needs to do something about it. The entire Ast- Astros front office needs to be gone. And I'm even wondering, did Nolan Ryan find out about it? And I know they didn't treat his son very well, but did he find out about it and say, you know what, I don't want anything to do with this. I'm out because he's old school. And he, he beat people up on the mound, literally. I could only imagine if he was still pitching and someone was stealing his signs like that, what he would do. So for me, it's a big deal. There's, there's cheating, but then there's this, where you're, you're literally using an electronic advantage and to, to just jump up on, on somebody. And that team is so good. Like Rob said, why do you need this? Why would you take part in this instead of just proving that you're better than everybody else?
1: yeah and uh yeah no so talking about cheating and beating people up uh you know i just want to say r.i.p to eddie guerrero he lies he cheats he steals and it's something that that you know lives on in sports apparently uh you know let's you know it's been pretty pretty dark so far we've had some kind of uh dark subjects let's get to something lighter so last year 2018 free agency was the one that everyone was waiting for it was the one that teams had saved up for that made room on the roster to hopefully sign one maybe two of these guys you know we had we had bryce harper we had manny machado we had craig kimbrell you know then we had some of the secondary tier guys you know we had dallas keichel patrick corbin josh donaldson aj pollock you know looking back to last year we you know it it was almost unfounded we had guys go we had multiple guys go over 300 mil this year, that kind of seems like it might be the direction with a couple pitchers. But before we get to this year, I want you—I want to get your guys' opinion on free agency last year. Um, you know, o- overall, what was your takeaway from the 2018 uh, free agency? Now that we see it a year afterwards, Rob, Rob, let me start with you.
2: I think, you know, more than more than focusing on the players, I want to focus on the fans. I think when you look at last year's free agency, I think a lot of fans are just still overly exaggerating. There are, there are a lot of fans who who think Bryce Harper and Manny Machado are some of the worst players in the game based on the contract that they got last season and based on the performance this year. And, you know, for, for those fans who think that, like, they really have to calm down. It's year one of, of you know, a 10-year deal for Machado, a 13-year deal for Harper. Like, they're going to be fine. Harper, Harper and Machado put up decent numbers just because they weren't, you know, the numbers that the fans wanted or anything. Um, you know, I, I think those guys are going to be fine. I think overall free agency was decent last year. You definitely saw a lot more pitchers underperforming based on the contracts that they got, especially in the in the relief department. I think I think Patrick Corbin did a good job of, li- of living up to his deal. Um, if there are two guys that I have to point out to li- living up or, or you know, exceeding the contract that they signed, I'd probably go with DJ LeMahieu and Josh Donaldson. They're both in line. DJ LeMahieu should be getting an extension from the Yankees this year, based off the 12 billion that he got paid to basically put up a top five MVP finish in the American League. And Josh Donaldson was on a one-year deal with Atlanta at 23 million. You know he might have he might have just gone out and earned himself a multi-year deal after the after the adjustment he made in Atlanta, and he really bought into to that team who essentially has a lot of young guys leading it, especially in Okuna and uh, Al- Albiz, Ozzy Albiz. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think you know I'm still focused on on the two stars from that class in Harper and Machado. Harper Harper needs to come back this year and put up an even better season. I you know it was it was a little bit of a joke in in our past podcast when Gabe Kapler was still the manager of the Phillies. But I told you I I fully expect Bryce Harper to make a run at the NL MVP this year. I think he's going to have a, a tremendous season after these last two you know pretty decent seasons and for Manny Machado, you know what? Manny Machado's road to success in San Diego is a lot easier than Bryce Harper's in my opinion because Bryce Harper is looked upon as being the number one option in Philly. That team is, that team has a lot of talent and Bryce Harper has to lead that team. Manny Machado does not have to lead the team in San Diego because as we saw this year, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the real deal. That kid, that kid is going to be the leader of that team. So Manny Machado is basically just getting paid to be the, the number two option behind Tatis Jr. I'm still paying attention to those two guys and seeing how they're gonna move forward with those big contracts.
1: The, the big thing for me, especially with Bryce Harper, first let's let's get let's let's split this up a little bit because with Bryce Harper, you yes, there's the impact they makes on the field, but there's also the impact he makes for the front office. So this was tweeted a couple of hours ago, all right? So Agent Scott Boris believes that the Phillies earned enough money off the signing of Bryce Harper to la- from last year to pay for his contract for the next two and a half years. So basically they believe that they grossed about 65 million years based on Philly attendance as well as merchandise sales and things like that. So for someone like Bryce Harper, first of all, that's a huge effect, man. You just made, you just made an organization about 70 mil in a season just by having your name in their program. Now the second thing with Bryce Harper is the play. I think that he's he, he's not what I want him to be defensively, but offensively put up the numbers. Like if you're telling me that I was gonna get, I was gonna get thirty, what was it? It was thirty-five home runs and 114 RBIs from one of my corner was That's something you pretty much have to take. I don't know. I don't know a person who said who would say no to that. Granted, then you put it in context with the with the number for his you know, salary and things like that, like it changed a little bit, but those are still really good numbers. Those are still elite numbers. And then when we go to Machado, uh, we, we look at his numbers. He hit 32 home runs, which was a little bit off his average, but we also got to think about the fact that he's playing in Petco Park. The day he signed that contract with the Padres, everyone should have expected different numbers as far as statistically, as far as his output. He still had a great season. He played Gold Glove caliber third base. He's uh, what's it called? He's he's still a leader in that clubhouse. You saw that team around them get better offensively. I really do think he had a positive effect on guys like Hunter Renfro and you know Fernando Tatis Jr. So we got to look at it as more of just the individual because these guys do affect the guys around them. Now, Nick, what, what were your takes away from what are your takeaways from last year's free agencies? I know we had we had a couple big pitchers. We mentioned Corbin uh we also had guys like nathan avaldi adam out you know what was your takeaway from last year's free agency
3: my biggest takeaway from last year was it i think it changed the game for the offseason the the next collective bargaining agreement is going to be huge because guys lost a ton of money in years in with the qualifying offer i mean mike mustakis should not be on a one-year deal for the money he's getting that that dude's produced for years He's a solid defender, and now that he got moved over to second base, hopefully without the qualifying offer, he might get you know three, hopefully four years, at least 15 to 20 million a year. Is that's what he's worth in my eyes right now. But that qualifying offer brought his value down so low. You guys got you got Kimbrel, who's maybe the best closer the game's ever seen. The stats say that. Even with Rivera, obviously he needs some longevity to it, but he's in the conversation. Not get signed until the qualifying offer goes away that's insane to me and the way clubs played their cards last year it's scary and i think it infiltrated into the younger class i mean acuna jr with i, I don't remember his contract i just know it's silly ozzy albies is going to be like nine million a year for five years that's just insanely bad contracts for guys who really could be in the Machado-Harper money when their time came, but did they get scared because of what they're seeing with the way it's going? Did they want to get their money now before there might be a strike? That It's it's game changing all over the place. So that was my biggest takeaway from a particular player standpoint. Um, it was already mentioned. but I mean, Corbin earned his money. That, that dude, that dude balled out all year, especially in the postseason. If, I mean, almost to the point where if he doesn't pitch another game, he might have already earned his contract. And Harper, as, just as you were talking about with what Boris put out there, $70 million that the club earned, I wanted the Giants to sign Harper so badly, simply for the fact he is going to earn them at least $330 million over his 13 years. There's no reason not to offer him that contract, just in merchandise sales, just in ticket sales over the life of the contract, even if he does average for what he's done in his career, he's going to earn that back. And his potential of having another monster year is, is very high because of how young he is. He was going to earn that money back in spades. The biggest takeaway for me, like I said, was just players really, really did not get treated right. And it's sad to see that. And I think the next collective bargaining agreement is going to be huge with how that changes and I hope we don't see a strike. I hope the owners really figure something out to where that doesn't happen again cuz that just shouldn't happen. It's bad for the game. It's even worse for the players.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned you mentioned the the future CBA agreement coming up. And you know, I have down in my notes, man, a lot of contracts that came out last offseason were what I call low risk, high reward kind of deals. So when you mentioned giving somebody like Josh Donaldson 23 million for that one season, he was coming off. He was coming off a rough year, but you knew his. You knew his ceiling. You knew that he had. There was a great chance that he would be somewhere near his MVP level, which he was. And for a lot of parts of that year, he was their best hitter, even with Acuna in the lineup. You know what I mean? And then you have guys that were, were still young. You know what I mean? So, well, by by that I mean uh, what's his name? Yasmani Grandal, who's a catcher who turned down a long-term contract for the Mets because he thought he was getting underpaid and took a one-year. Risk on himself. And I think he went well. He, he got that team back in the playoffs. He's great behind the plate. So we got to see where that goes. All right, right now we're going to take a little break. When we get back, we're going to talk about this year's free agent class and what we think the numbers might be and where these guys are going. So sit right there. We'll be right back.
0: por favor, queca, en la discoteca, que calor, yeca, para la muñeca, por favor, When you've listened to the podcast and you hear the title SSAW Live Sports Podcast presented by the Craft Factory, you're probably wondering what does the SSAW stand for? Well it stands for Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide. It's a huge Facebook group community that only talks about sports all day every second, every hour, and from there, make sure that you type in the letters S-S-A-W, or just type in the full name, Specialized Sports Analysis Worldwide on Facebook. When you click on it, make sure you put a request in. One of the founders will click on your request, and from there, you join a huge community that loves to simply talk about sports every day and every second. We talk about a wide variety of things, from basketball, to football, to soccer, to everything, you name it, even world wrestling entertainment everything under the sun we love to talk about it because we simply just love sports so again it's a facebook group a huge community that's waiting for you make sure you type that name in and we'll welcome you wholeheartedly welcome to ssaw
1: all right welcome back to diamond talk still here with rob and nick we're going to this year's free agent class and the one thing I feel everyone wants to know is where do you think Garrett Cole is going? He's the big guy on this list. He's, he's going to be the highest paid, most likely, from both the position players and the pitchers. We saw the kind of effect he made on the, on the Astros this year. He just finished runner-up in the Cy Young boating. So where do you guys have him? We'll start off with you, Nick. Where do you think Garrett Cole is going to be going?
3: I've got it like 98% he's going to the Angels. He's a SoCal guy. They need that starting pitcher. They've been known to break the bank. They're going to have money coming off the books in the next couple of years with some of their bad contracts. Um, I mean, it it doesn't seem like any more of a perfect fit at all for him to not, like, if he doesn't go to the Angels, I would be shocked. It just matches for everybody. I can't any, imagine them losing out a bidding war. Yes, some teams have more money per se. But the Angels have just as much money as anybody else. And this is the guy that they need desperately. And he's from the area. It just doesn't make sense for him not to go there. And I think he'll get a contract that just kills what Price got. I mean, it's probably going to be 78 years, 250, 260 million dollars. Rob, so I don't think Nick knows how he'd do it here.
1: I'm <laughs> going to need you I'm going to need you to tell him why the Yankees are going to land Garrett Cole and why he's going to be our ace next year when we're, when we're heading the playoffs. Let him know, Rob.
2: Uh, yeah, so with all the hope in the world, I do hope Garrett Cole ends up in pinstripes. Um, I think it's still the same. As la- as the last episode we had talking about him, I have the Angels, the Yankees, and the Dodgers as the top three teams that are going to be after him. He's definitely going to have a lot more suitors. I think they're just going to fall out once once the numbers. You know, <laughs> Boris Boris loves to to elevate his players, if you want to go with that. You know, he always tries to get them that last dollar he can. And I think the Angels, um, like Nick said, the Angels are going to be ready with a good deal. The Yankees are going to be ready with a good deal. The Yankees definitely need pitching more than the Dodgers do. I think the Dodgers are just doing this. You know, the Dodgers landing Garrett Cole is essentially an overkill move for them. You know, they already have Kershaw, who might not be as reliable in the postseason as he is in the regular season. But you also have Bueller and you have uh, Ryu, who I expect to re-sign with them as well. So, uh, but yeah, I think... Honestly, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm going to say he signs with the Yankees just, just for my hope. And I will say this, if it does come down to a bidding war and I hear some BS, like we heard last year with Patrick Corbin, where the Yankees were stuck on five years and they didn't want to go to that six years and he went to the Nationals. If I hear that same BS with Garrett Cole, you will be seeing a rant for me.
1: we we'll wait for it. We'll, we'll wait for that rant. We, we do enjoy your rants, guys that's that, that's half of the that's half of the fun hey before yeah, no, to but... the next guy,
3: real quick I, would, I just want to say i think there's a dark horse in this race though uh especially dark the, the dark horse believe it or not even though i don't want him to get him are the giants because Bob gunner is gone i don't think he's coming back i know we'll probably talk about him a little bit but zaidi's biggest contract when he was with the dodgers and i know he didn't sign all the checks in was clayton kershaw and he sees the value in pitching and from a you know from an analytic standpoint Gary Cole is that dude I see the Giants as the dark horse in the Cole for sweet steaks.
1: Yeah, like i, I look, I'll be with Garrett Cole. Uh, you know what's it called. Boris is already having lunch with with Moreno out here in California. I expect that lunch with uh, Brian Cashman to be coming. Brian Cashman to be coming really soon. Uh, so we'll one see more. what happens with that. One,
2: one, one what, what Quick, quick thing on Go Garrett Cole. Last year we were talking about Machado and Harper getting three hundred million dollar deals. Well, not really bold prediction but my prediction on the offseason there will not be a single 300 million dollar deal this offseason but garrett cole will get the biggest overall contract this offseason
3: agreed
1: there you go you know what and i can't disagree with that because i feel the the more we have these contracts and the more we have just your average fan saying oh my god we're overspending on this guy you know the, the less incentive teams are going to have to offer these big contracts which which gonna probably hurt veterans down the road but i I can see their thinking yeah uh our next guy also also a pitcher um this guy's a little bit more interesting you know some people might be surprised that he decided to opt out from his current contract but of course i'm talking about steven strasberg he just won the world series with the nationals he finished top five in cy young voting there's some rumors that he goes back to san diego you know other rumors going back to nationals uh, Rob, where do you think we see Steven Strasburg next year?
2: I think we see Steven Strasburg in D.C. I think he, I think he's going to have as many suitors as Garrett Cole. And I think, you know, the team that you just mentioned, San Diego, I think San Diego is going to go hard after Steven Strasburg, same way the Angels are going to go hard after Garrett Cole. So it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up in San Diego. I just think, you know, the Nationals just, just won a World Series title. And I think it would be in their best benefit if, if, they, if they keep uh, Steven Strasburg, because I don't know if they're going to be able to keep both Rendon and Strasburg, and you definitely can't let both of those guys walk away. But, you know, at the same time, one of the things that I've been saying constantly is a lot of teams in the MLB get really complacent after they win a title, so they might be willing to let Rendon and Strasburg both walk. But I really do think Strasburg uh, ends up in D.C. Although, you know, we, we will see the Nationals, Padres. Yankees will also check in on him. Angels will probably check in, check in on
3: him as well. But I do see him staying in D.C. Nick, where do you have him going? I mean, the two obvious spots are going to be San Diego and D.C. But just to be a little bit out there, I'm actually thinking he might go to the White Sox. I think they make a play. I don't think they want the big-time Garrett Cole money. Strasburg is going to come in a little bit under that. Um, and I don't know if Strasburg necessarily wants much more than that four years to 100 they walked away from an extra year or two or a couple extra million a year, the White Sox definitely have that. And they've got, I mean, they're going to be real close to win now. So one or two years of Strasburg get the lead of that staff with Kopech coming up, uh, Giolito already there. He's, it's going to be a similar situation to where he was this year where they've got three top end guys, um. It's it's gonna be interesting. I, I actually see the White Sox making a pretty strong play for him.
1: Yeah, if I were to put my money on it as of right now, I think he goes back to Washington. I was kind of surprised they did opt out. I don't see him getting much more than what he was getting. Maybe he goes from maybe he gets us at 30 mil. But but even then I can't I I don't see him breaking the bank as much as he as he would have even if he stayed. Uh, the one thing I want to say about both Cole and Strasburg, though is that we've seen it with Red Sox pitchers. We've seen it with other pitchers coming in from that long uh, postseason run. For me, there's no reason to have these guys be ready for opening day. I would take my time with them. I would may- maybe have them start sometime in, in May instead of April. You know, that's just this is my opinion, just the way things have been going as far as uh, arm health with the pitchers. Obviously, these guys are on a schedule and they want to stick to that schedule. But at the same time, when you do pitch that extra month, I think it does take a toll on your body as we saw from, you know, just the Red Sox-Arms this year with uh, with Sale and Price not being who they are. You didn't see it with the Dodgers, but the Dodgers also have eight starting pitches that they throw out there throughout the regular season. So that's just something I want to look out for. All right, our, ne- our next big name, someone that Nick is probably very familiar with, someone he probably loves and holds dearly and doesn't want to hear his name in any other uniform. But Nick, we'll start off with you, man. What do you think is happening with Madison Grumgarner?
3: Man, I don't want to see him in any other uniform. That That is that is the number one pitcher that I can see on any Giants team besides maybe Juan Marichal. I mean, in in my opinion, it's Juan Marichal and him and Giants lore. And it's going to be a sad day when he's, when he's off the team. But I don't see him coming back. Uh, the, the front office has gone completely analytics. And he's definitely not an analytics guy. He's going to look Gabe Kapler square in the face and say, I don't care about your six-pack, man. I'm going to treat you like I treated, like I want to treat Puig, and I'm going to get you out of my face. And I just don't think he's ready to have that unless him and Kapler have some sort of off-season meeting and kind of talk about it. Uh, you know, the Braves seem real, real bought into him. I, I don't know too much about the going back home thing. I don't think he really cares much about that. Um, he went from Georgia to San Francisco and... Uh, There's not too many places in this country that are that are more different than each other than San Francisco and Georgia So I don't think it's gonna matter where he is as long as he's happy with where he's at and the Braves definitely could be that But I I just unfortunately, I don't see him coming back to the Giants. I I would be shocked if he came back
1: So Bumgarner is a lot like Keiko from last season not just because they're both lefties who were starting to throw around you know 90 and top out at that but because if a team other than the Giants signs Madison Bumgarner, they would have to give up a draft pick to the Giants. So we saw how that played out last year, where it delayed Keuchel and we it delayed um, kind of Kimberl where they didn't sign until after June. So that's something to think about with Madison Bumgarner too. Hey Rob, you gotta tell Nick why his dreams are gonna be crushed, and we're gonna see him in pinstripes too, cause we're taking everybody. <laughs>
2: All right, I'm not. I'm not going to say Madison Bumgarner go go to finish because I just I feel like we 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 need to be targeting like bigger people. No offense to Bumgarner, I mean he's he's all great, but uh, I I honestly think I honestly think Bumgarner is going to end up in Atlanta. I think they've probably had the most interest in him for for over a year now. There is a chance he does stay in San Francisco, and you. But you know, I I've been all about the Giants uh, trading him since the deadline this past year. Simply, you know, based off the performance that he had this year, I thought that the Giants should have probably taken advantage of, of the market and the desperate need for pitching at the time. They probably could have gotten a better package in return for him. Um, so, But I have him going to Atlanta. I think, I think that for Bumgarner, there definitely are some sleepers. I would probably throw the Phillies in there simply because the Phillies, with all that talent, they're highly lacking in pitching and you can't possibly expect to Make a postseason run with just Aaron Nola and not having somewhere, someone there to to back him up. And I think Bumgarner could actually be a very nice piece behind Aaron Nola in Philadelphia. But I still got him going to Atlanta.
1: Yeah. So, so me Bumgarner. There's two things. The first thing is I do not want him in the American League because I want to see him hit. He he is he's a monster at the back He's one of the, he's one of the few pitchers that I want to watch at bat because I don't expect a bunt or a you know, or striking out on one of those foul bunts. So I, I want to see Bumgarner in the National League. That's first of all. Second of all, as far as 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 far as teams, I think there's two teams. Rob mentioned one of them. The first one is the Phillies. I know Girardi loved them. You know, Girardi was talking about him on MLB tonight because he was kind of on a down year because he, he had to have a job this year. And Girardi is very big into Bumgarner. I don't know if the Phillies are completely into the whole analytics revolution as much as some of the other teams. So I think that might be a fit. The second team for me is the Padres. One Bumgarner kind of looks like a hippie. I could see him picking up surfing. I, you know, it, it's something that I could see him doing. He should enjoy his weekends when he's when he's not pitching on uh, Friday nights. Uh, no, but no, you know, he's he's a pitcher who's pitching the division. The you know what's it called? The Padres are very young. They can use a veteran who has won games at its highest level. And if I'm a GM, I want that kind of person around my team, especially when I'm trying to teach our young arms how to be professionals. So that, that's another one for me that, you know, it, it might be an outside shot, but it wouldn't be the most surprising thing.
3: I have the part right. Here's ne- my dark horse with him.
1: There you go. they got two dark horses. That's enough for a chariot. Um, all right. Next guy, we're going to go here. We're going to go with the biggest hitter on the market as of right now. He had a great postseason. He might win the MVP tomorrow night. Uh. Of course I'm talking about Anthony Rendon. Where do you guys have Anthony Rendon going after the amazing season he had which was on his contract year lucky for him. Uh, Rob, what do you see happening with Anthony Rendon?
2: I think the Nationals have to keep a man like they they I I remember seeing they offered him like a 200 210 million dollar contract and I don't think I don't think he accepted that, but I think the Nationals have to make every push to to keep them. I don't think I I think their fan base is glad that they won the World Series, but I don't think their fan base would accept losing Harper and Rendon in back-to-back seasons. You know, uh, like, there's the case to be made that this, this team is essentially in the hands of Juan Soto. You know, just like Fernando Tatis out in San Diego, I expect Juan Soto to be the number one option for this team. But, you know, Anthony Rendon's a veteran and he's a veteran who's been doing it at a high level and these last couple seasons, he keeps getting better and better. I mean, I mean, think about it. In the third base department, the only guy who I, like, officially put over him without, like, second-guessing myself is Nolan Arenado. You know, after that, Anthony Rendon is in the conversation for second-best third baseman in baseball, along with guys like Alex Bregman, Manny Machado, Matt Chapman. You know, he's put himself in that conversation for a reason. Um, I think, you know what? And this, this might uh, make one person... And the group happy. But like Nick mentioned earlier with uh, Steven Strasburg, I think we hear the White Sox around Anthony Rendon. You know, I think the White Sox are that team that they have a lot of young guys, but they're also desperate for a massive name in on that roster. Like we saw it last year with all the Harper talk. We definitely saw the heartbreak because they, they look to be in on Manny Machado 100%. So I think th- I think this season we might hear the White Sox again trying to trying to get third base covered with Anthony Rendon.
1: Cause look, I know Gibson just got married, but that doesn't mean that his gift should be just handing him like all <laughs> these players. You know what I mean? Like the White Sox, they'll be all right. Let's let's stop giving him people.
2: No, they're not going. Right? They're not going there. I just like giving him a little bit of false hope.
1: All right, man. All right, Nick. What, <laughs> where you got? Where do you got Rendon going?
3: Uh, so first, I should have gone first because Rob just told. All my notes, word for word. So, copy, paste, <laughs> all delete, all that good stuff. Um, number two, uh, Rendon is the one free agent that I would not bet on where he's going. This dude is quiet. You never hear from him. But when you saw him on camera in the World Series, that dude just seemed to soak it up. He seemed to love it. And so, does he want to be the number one option on a team? Does he want to fly on the radar? I don't know. He went to college in Texas. Does he want to go with the Astros? I mean I really don't know if so my actual pick was going to be the White Sox here's the baseball reason why Tim Anderson broke out even if he comes down to 80% of what he was this year that's still a good shortstop you move Moncada over to second base which if I'm not mistaken is where he came up mostly in the minor leagues and then you've got Rendon at third base that's maybe the best infield in all of baseball plus all the young talent coming up I really like the move going there if I were to The one thing that I think is going to sit with him is he has spoken a couple times about how much he liked playing at Rice. I don't know if it was because of the college or if it was because of being in Texas. But the one thing I hear a couple times is that the Rangers are going to need to make a splash. They're opening up a brand new stadium. So I could see him going there. I don't think he goes to the Astros because they have so much money coming up with what they got to do. I mean, there is a play to move Bregman to short, Correa to second, Rendon at third, and then trade Altuve, who's a little bit older. Well, I just don't see that happening. Um, so I, I would say, if it's not the White Sox, I, my, I, I think the Nationals can't let him go. There, I, to, his, to Rob's point, literally in my notes, you can't let Harper go and then Rendon. It's, it's just, you would kill your fan base. But if they get complacent, like Rob said, then I, I, it's, to me, it's going to be the White Sox or the Rangers.
1: Alright, so what happened here is you, Rob stole your notes, and then you went ahead and stole my notes, because nice. we're having we're, we're having Don going exactly where you talked about, for many of those those reasons you mentioned, and him going to Arlington to play for the Rangers. They're an under-the-radar team, but they're a team that has secret talent, man. They're not as bad as they look. You know, the last couple of years, they've been slowly moving up, slowly been moving up that those standings. Uh, their biggest issue is still going to be pitching. And that's not something that you're going to be able to fix right away, but bringing impact bat like, uh, what's it called like Rendon is someone that can jumpstart a team. You know what I mean? It brings them excitement, which is kind of something you need when you're going to open a new ballpark. Like you said, and just to have him in the middle of the lineup, just was going to make a lot of those young hitters better. You know, someone like Norm Lazara, I think he's like 24 years old and he's like an 18 year veteran. Like, you know, guys, they've had guys who've been playing there for for a long time that kind of just need someone to, I guess, take that lineup to the next level. And the other thing is you have that long contract with which Chu coming to an end pretty soon. You know, he signed that big contract, that I think, back in 2017 or 2016. And that's one that's going to be off the books pretty soon. Staying at third base, let's go to the next guy that also played in the NL East also made a huge impact we talked about him a little bit earlier with the contract situation last year but what do you guys see happening with josh donaldson let's go with with you nick since we started rob last time what do you see josh donaldson going
3: short and sweet he's going back to the braves two to three years he fit in perfectly the team loved him he loved the team i mean you saw how excited he was in the postseason he was with his band of brothers right there i don't see him going anywhere else the braves are gonna get him back rob what about you rob
2: yeah, I, I agree with Nick. I, th- I think he, I think he definitely bought into the system in Atlanta, and I think he enjoyed playing there on his one-year deal. But the thing with Donaldson, uh, even though I have him going back to Atlanta, Atlanta has to make the deal happen quick because I think Donaldson, as a free agent, his free agency could be very situational. And what I mean by that is, we, you know, we just finished talking about a third baseman who I think all three of us here would would rightfully so rank ahead of Josh Donaldson. But what if Anthony Rendon leaves Washington? You know, that opens up that opens up a hole in Washington and we might see the Nationals become a player for Josh Donaldson. You know, Josh Donaldson might not give you the the all-around production that Rendon gives you, but he's still a 30 home run, 90 RBI guy. If he keeps up his numbers, he was the he was third in the in the Gold Glove with Rendon and uh Nolan Arenado, so he's going to give you Gold Glove level defense as well, and he'll be cheaper than Rendon, if we're being honest. So if Rendon decides to leave Washington, I can, I can definitely see Washington making a play for him. And I can also see the guys over in St. Louis who've been connected to Josh Donaldson since his Oakland days, trying to make a play to get him over there at third base.
1: Yeah, you know, for me, Josh Donaldson is one of the most interesting ones because he's one of those guys where, if you're Josh Donaldson, do you turn down two for 55 where you're essentially making what, twenty four and a half million dollars for the next two seasons. Granted, it's not the long term contract you want want, but you're not making a lot more money than that, even if you do get a long term contract. So for me, that opens up teams like we mentioned the White Sox. The White Sox strike me as a team that doesn't really want to invest in one particular player. I think that's why they passed on on Machado. I think that's why they didn't even look at, at Harper. But if you tell them, hey look, we're gonna have this established veteran come in here and we're gonna pay him, let's say two for fifty, or you know, maybe even three for sixty, something like that. I don't know if Josh Allison could turn that down. You know, the next team like that you talked about, you know, Nationals. I think it's one of those things where dominoes can really fall. Depending on where Rendon goes, it opens up teams like the Rangers. It opens up teams like the White Sox like I just mentioned. You know, the Braves are an obvious choice, but other than that, there, there's a lot of teams in the AL that I think can kind of swoop in and just give him a, a chance on that, you know what I mean? So so we'll see with Josh Johnson. We'll go, we'll go one more guy before we, we get out of here. Uh, what do you guys see as Manny Grandal? This is this is my most intriguing player, by the way. I think where he goes can set up a domino effect as far as just how successful a rotation can be because I really do think he's an exceptional catcher. Rob, where do you think he's Manny Grandal ends up?
2: All right, I'm about to shock people with this answer right here. Here it comes, I'm not bro. gonna get. I'm not gonna give anyone the answer that they're expecting from all these tabloids writing. But Yasmani Grandal needs to end up in pinstripes this offseason. He has to end up with the Yankees, and here's why: Gary Sanchez is pissing me off. Plain and simple, he's pissing me off. You have to take Gary Sanchez out of the catching position. You have to give him rest some days because he can't be back there every single day. You, whether the Yankees want to let Austin Romine walk, listen, Yasmani Grandal is a better defensive and offensive player. Let him walk. You can afford Yasmani Grandal. You don't need to make an, another big splash offensively. Get Yasmani Grandal on a decent contract, just like you did DJ LeMahieu. Pay him what he's worth, sort of. And you know what? You have him as your slash starting backup catcher, and the day that he catches, you move Gary over to DH, and vice versa with Grandal. You can put him at DH. You can put him at first base some days. But please, the Yankees need a catcher like this to pair with Gary Sanchez because Gary Sanchez is making me sick.
1: Look, man, you got to stop agreeing with me because we're going to get banned from anywhere but New York radio stations and stuff like that. So just just stop it right now.
2: He's making me Uh,
1: sick. Yeah. You know what? Gary Sanchez will do that to you. He's a very uh, boomer bust type player. Nick, where do you have Grondal going? Where do you want to see him next year?
3: Before that, I, I want to throw a little bit towards the Gary Sanchez shade. I mean, okay, let, let's be real here. Who does he have to catch? A Chapman, 105, 105, 104, 105 with a 98-mile-an-hour slider. That's not easy. Then he's got to catch Adam Adovito, maybe the dirtiest slider in the game. Then he's got to catch Dylan Batonsis who, I mean, that fastball is almost, is, it's not 105, but it's maybe harder to hit than all Rollins Chapman. That dude is catching some of the dirtiest pitchers and pitches in the game on a consistent basis. Zach Britton, he looks foolish because those pitches make everybody look foolish. If Yasmani Grandal goes to the Yankees, he's no longer gonna be one of the best catchers in the game defensively. Those guys are hard to catch. I'm gonna give him a little bit of slack on that. Now, the answer to the question I think he's going to go to the Cubs. I think they trade Contreras. And I think with uh, David Ross going over there, he knows the need for a good catcher, obviously. And they're he's going to look at him and it's like, dude, this is our guy. This is going to hold down our pitching staff. He's going to have the offense that we need. And he's going to be a team leader. He's a veteran. We need that behind the plate. I see him going to the Cubs this year, because I think they trade Contreras for some sort of package.
1: That's not a bad pick. You know, that, that was a team I was thinking too. I think the, the Cubs are a good fit for the, means, for the reasons you mentioned. I think they want to see what they can back for Contreras. You know, as far as teams spending money, I, I would love to see him like a team of the Padres, man. I, I think that their catching needs an upgrade. I know you really like their defensive backstop back there, but I, I think Grindal, guys like Grindal and Contreras are um, just a better overall package. As far as him going to the Yankees, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. Granted, I would be very happy if that did happen, but you know, yeah the teams we mentioned as far as you know the younger teams as far as like the Padres and the White Sox I think those are teams that need veteran backstops that, that they don't even know they might need but those the veteran backstops typically help out the rotation and they also help out in the lineup if they get hit which Rendell can all right guys before we finish we're about to finish right now I just want to give you a quick que- some quick questions right we're gonna call this segment quick pitch No, we didn't steal it from MLB tonight. It's just really good damn phrase for this thing that we're doing, all right? So I'm gonna ask you questions, just real quick answer, okay? All right, it's gonna be a a, a yes or no question, right? Would you you rather have Garrett Cole for the next five years, but you're gonna overpay him or take someone like Madison Bumgarner for one year with the high upside of possibly winning a ship And not having to pay for more than three years. Rob, you go first.
2: I'll take Eric Cole.
1: All right, Nick, what do we got? I'll take Eric Cole. All right. Third base. Let's go. Who do you guys have as the better third baseman for the next three years? We're going to go Nolan Arenado, Anthony Rendon. Nick, you're first. Nolan Arenado. Rob.
2: Arenado, too easy.
1: Too easy. All right, let's go a little harder then, all right? Best defensive third baseman. Are we going Arenado? Or we're going Chapman. Next two years, Rob, you're up.
3: Arenado. Nick. Arenado is not even close. I've seen that guy make plays that I don't think even Chapman even dreams of making.
1: <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have some angry uh, Oakland fans. All right, who do you want on your backstop? Because we mentioned both these guys. Would you rather have you as Grandal or Wilson Gutierrez? Contreras? Contreras. Grandal. Nick.
2: Grandal. Wow. Okay.
1: Finally, finally, disagreement all right and last but not least let's just stick with the starting pitchers would you rather go garrett cole or steven strasberg but on a friendlier deal nick you're first garrett cole, cole. rob all right. all right there you have it we're gonna have to make the questions a little harder for for next time out but hey guys thank you for listening to the diamond talk we'll be back with an episode next week we'll be talking about more free agents there's a lot more left not just those big names uh and one more thing before we go if you ever want to know what we're talking about we have a lot of inside jokes on the show uh find us on facebook at ssaw it's a community full of sport fans we talk more than just baseball we talk baseball football basketball some soccer you know find us on there you can find out what we're talking about here sometimes just a fun thing to do all day when you're at work and don't want to do anything at work. So thank you for listening and we'll see you guys next time.
0: Hey guys, we want to thank you for listening to the diamond talk podcast presented by the craft factory. Stay tuned for the next episode, but until then, if you have any statements, comments, or you want your questions answered live on the podcast, feel free to email us at diamondtalkpodcast at gmail.com. That's Diamond Talk Podcast at gmail.com. See you soon.